Hello, and welcome to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a Misspent Youth Productions. My name is Kieran. I'm Joe. I'm Stephen. And I'm Jack. And this week, folks, our guest is the very talented singer-songwriter Natalie Evans. Uh, we've been lucky enough to have Natalie open for us just before the pandemic, actually, which is must have been like three years ago now. Uh, we know how great she is live, but I would love to know more about her if only there was some way... Hmm for me to gather that kind of information. Natalie Evans facts. Natalie Evans is a multi-instrumentalist musician and composer from Kent in the UK. Due to her fascination with classical music, this inspired Natalie to learn the piano and harp. However, she is an absolute beast at playing the guitar as well. (laughs) Signed to Small Pond Recordings, Natalie to date has released an EP and two albums, her most recent being Movements earlier this year. Natalie gets compared to artists such as Joanna Newsom quite often, but I don't think that's a bad thing because they're both brilliant artists. <laughs> you can write that fact down. How does this? Yeah, when the robot starts giving opinions, even if you agree with them, you don't. Yeah, I mean, th- what say what you mean? like about the iPhone listening to you. It doesn't give you that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fact. <laughs> I'm not arguing. That's very good. Thank you very much, Mr. Robot. Uh, Be sure to stick around at the end of the podcast as we have an exclusive live performance from Natalie, which is brilliant, uh, and I know you're going to love it. Uh, Be sure to check out Natalie's new album, Movements. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. But don't listen to it now. Wait an hour or so. (laughs) Enjoy us talking, and then you get an exclusive performance that's nowhere else of one of the songs from that album and then listen to the album i've got i've got your next three or four hours planned out for you lucky, so lucky once once you finish the album drop me an email i'll send you the rest of the agenda <laughs> <laughs> but yeah enjoy natalie evans How are you feeling about your uh, record? It's a couple of months now since it came out. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel good about it. Things it's sort of being received the way I wanted it to be received, which is really nice. And um, I think it was a bit of a jump from my last record, but then people seem to have embraced that, which is really yeah, nice. Cool. It, it does take time. I yeah. feel like it's really like with other people. I have to keep checking <laughs> that it's like actually yeah, it's just been. <laughs> So it's such a long <laughs> process and everything. Well, it, well, it's a big build-up to to the release date, yeah. so it feels like an ending. But then, obviously, you have to live with the with the record for its cycle. Exactly. You know, so it's sort of the beginning of the next phase. Definitely. Yeah. But f- for us, it's just like it's amazing how the feelings change. It's it's like a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know. It is. Like when when you're making the record, it's just your whole life. It's all you can think about. Yeah. And then I think back to our old records and I just, I think, oh, I just, I can, I can pick out mistakes now and it's, it's a much colder relationship. Yeah, you see it as, when you see, when you look at stuff that you've done in your past, it's almost like looking at um, another person sometimes. I I find that with my other, with my old stuff, it's like that was me then and this still feels like me now, Uh, (laughs) which is, yeah. Is it nice to be, to have it like finally out in the world now, you can kind of let go of it and move on to something else? Oh, it's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice. Yeah, I was working on this record for like four years, pretty much. So um, just sort of coming back to it and figuring out what would be on it. So it's really nice to just like 
you have done all of that it's very rewarding as well yeah and I sort of feel like I've freed up space creatively to write more do you write more when you've when it's now out and there's no immediate goal like I find like we 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 get so much faster when there's a deadline coming up and there's a reason for a song to exist yeah then, then we write so much quicker I get what you're saying um I don't think deadlines help me actually really <laughs> I think I I like the freedom of just like I've got this album is now like off my chest so now I feel like very free creatively which is really nice mm. um and I think I maybe thrive more on that than a deadline um I thrive a lot on deadlines when it's like uh, more logical stuff but creative stuff it just stresses me out so I've tried that before even just personal deadlines like oh, I want to release or like, I want to finish my album this year I've said that like you know a couple of years before and it yeah it's not what it needs like for creativity it's like more yeah the time and the freedom is is better well I think you've got to be like in a healthy place exactly but but you do need some sort of kick up the arse sometimes yeah <laughs> I, I think we I think we do I think that I would definitely agree with that maybe as a band yeah definitely as a group of people to get together yeah like um last time i flew over i was just like well up for getting in a practice room yeah but in the end it just we, we ended up just meeting up for a drink instead okay. because it's more fun oh, i could know. definitely see that happening yeah yeah <laughs> like i if i was with a group of people i actually am less like maybe that's why i'm a solo artist but how do you feel that you, you feel like it's it is a good representation of where you are now i do yeah it's um it had the songs were written so they were written over the last like three years so some of them are much newer and some of them are quite old now actually yeah i do feel because it's sort of in the place i'm in in my life it's it does represent that still um right now i feel like i'm in a crossroads between that record and like i've been working on lots of stuff so there's (laughs) other things too yeah i'm just kind of somewhere in the middle that's always the way isn't it Kieran's got our next five albums right. on his <laughs> But how do you feel about the tracks that you did? So we've just finished recording our album. Okay, oh, congrats. And we we recorded a lot of stuff. And the, the, a high majority of the stuff that has been cut was a lot of the earlier stuff we'd written. Mm-hmm. I don't know if because we thought, oh, the sound was more improved or we thought the songs were better or Mm -hmm. I just had less of a relationship with things I wrote three years ago yeah so like how did that compare to the stuff that you wrote recently and putting them on a record together um I I do still feel quite attached to some of the ones the ones that are on the record that I wrote a few years ago just I think it was about just the space I was in when I wrote them I was very tuned in and that's I don't know if it's different with like singer-songwriter um because there's so many components with the lyrics as well I just think I was so zoned in on what I was doing that it is important to me to to keep it and like with movements it's it's that those songs are like capturing how I was feeling at that time and that's still important to me and anything that feels good and feels pure and honest I want to keep it with the current situation probably a lot of records are getting made over a long span of time Uh but it you usually you know it's it that's pretty rare except in the case of a debut album yeah so i think it's quite interesting there's going to be these case studies of of these massive sections of established musicians careers that are now releasing music that's like backlogged over a few years yeah which normally that's that's your first record isn't mm-hmm. it because you've you've spent years writing yeah 
I think something about that didn't feel right for us. I suppose we've gone through like a change within that time that you couldn't reconcile the two styles. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, definitely. When you've kind of moved on like musically or like within your style and then it's... But then I've had that situation as well and I think I've got other songs that I didn't put on there and I just think, what what do I do with those? Because they do still feel valid, but they didn't work because they were too far in the past, which is probably, Kieran, what you were talking about. It felt too distant from them, but I still want them to come out. <laughs> I just don't... I just, They didn't work on this record. I don't know if you still want yours to come out in some way. Or... That's exactly how Steve feels about anything that we've recorded. Okay. He would love to be heard by the world. Regardless. <laughs> have so many alternate versions. I'd have, I'd have way more alternate versions of, of things we've done than the actual originals. Oh, yeah, you, you've put out a couple of yeah. like, alternate versions, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, for some reason, Steve reckons that people want to hear 10 different versions of our song <laughs> in the same way that we no. do. <laughs> people probably do. <laughs> but it, it's not, it's just... It's just my instinct and feeling, but it's probably mm. not a healthy way to look at it. Like, like reworking and rejigging old stuff to try and make it fit and just be like, oh, no, let's put it out just for the sake of wanting to put it out. Yeah. I, I think sometimes sure. if they just miss their chance, they miss their chance. Do you? Yeah. Well, well no, I, I, I want to think that. And I'm sure Kieran will use those words against me in our next debate. I mean, how many of our, how many of our favourite artists do you think that have just... A entire backlog of music we've never heard. Yeah, I, I think a lot probably. Like, I bet that that definitely exists. So not every you can't release yeah. everything. I feel like it's a mixture. I think some people release absolutely everything they've done, and some people are like they'll record hundred songs and pick like ten for the record. <laughs> it seems like people do that. But for me, I won't even finish a song. I'll sort of know if it's not if it's not hitting. I think, and I, I don't really finish it. Uh, so if I choose the song then I'm, and I'm going to stick with it, then I'll put a lot into it and I want to put it out. Do you know what I mean? Well, I was, I, I was going to ask you about how quick you are with, with writing, especially with lyrics, because, you know, in our, our experience as a band is, is obviously different. Yeah. I try to write other songs just for fun with lyrics, but I, okay. I cannot focus <laughs> lyrically yeah. from start to finish to a song. Do lyrics come naturally to you? Are they something that you find easy? Uh, yeah. In a wait, hang on. <laughs> they, it's um, okay. Yeah, you can say yeah. It's easy, yeah. Just flow out. It really depends. It really depends on the time. Sometimes it's uh, it's really forced. I, I guess I definitely get writer's block. Um, right, okay. I go through periods where I can't write, but yeah. um, if I'm in like a certain setting and I'll write a lot of lyrics. Um, I know, for example, I got on the bus the other day and it was really, like, nice lighting and I was in London and everywhere was, like, just looked really pretty and inspiring and I just, like, wrote loads on my phone. Like, it just kind of flowed out. But, yeah, other times it's definitely more difficult. I think it's sometimes, like, I need I need to be busy to write lyrics almost. Like, it happens in those short moments of time, like, I've got a 15 minute bus ride rather than like here's an open day uh, like where nothing's happening and um, try and write something. So is that generally the case then you'll find yourself kind of more inspired lyrically if you're like traveling or out of the house like doing something like a change of scenery rather than just like sitting at home and just studiously hammering away? Yeah definitely I think I, I feel like if I'm not moving then like my thoughts aren't moving sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I just need to get moving and go out or for a walk or like 
got to go on the bus or something, take a journey. Yeah. It's definitely what inspires me the most, which is really handy to know as well. Lyrically, like style-wise, and my, my, my idea about your lyrics is, and I just want you to <laughs> tell me if I'm completely wide of the mark or oh, not. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel like you just go straight for these profound, direct ideas and it's 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 never like a metaphor that's just like creeping around the point quite literal yeah and and i and that is that is a compliment believe me you know i (laughs) i love i love when it when it just makes you feel something and it's because you're thinking directly about what what that artist has said because you're making art out of out of you know the everyday you know just normal language yeah like do you do you like strip back like style wise no i've actually um i've always been quite interested in people that write or in the way of writing metaphorically because i've never really it's just not really come naturally to me so i think i just naturally write that way um so i haven't really resisted it because it's just it feels right yeah i think it's 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 definitely cooler is it it's definitely cooler. <laughs> i don't know well it also it, it also makes it more honest because yeah. the listeners don't have to sit there figuring out what yeah. the metaphor is you're trying to spell out. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, painting a picture, like really describing direct things, uh, it puts you in a place. Yeah, S- situational songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as I say, it wasn't, it's not intentional. Like someone picked up on that when I was quite young so and I didn't really think about what I was doing. So I think it's just something I naturally do. I was really, I was really scared to ask that because oh, no. I thought you were going to say it's, it's absolutely... Packed full of metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's, it's not. There, there's, um, I think it's not met- metaphorical. There's sometimes like there, there's. If I think if you listen to the songs multiple times, you'll start thinking it can apply to many feelings or situations. Yeah. And um, so I try and have it like that as well. It's yeah. It's it's like that's something slightly different, isn't it? Like it is. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's a, a larger meaning. Yeah. You know certainly because otherwise what yeah it literally is just fully descriptive and, you, and you're not going to have any feeling like it's packed full of feeling yeah that's kind of what, what I'm trying to say yeah. um but this album is very is very lyric based so uh, that was something I really zoned in on this time so you're just fairly open to having the songs evolve in any way or do, do you see if the song needs to just be on the harp or just be an acoustic guitar and you singing do you allow that to happen or do you always try and throw like like us? Yeah. We're very guilty as a band of trying to throw as much onto a track as possible. Uh. <laughs> it's very effective because it, it works for what you do. Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's it, yeah, but it's, that's why our records take so long to make because we always <laughs> the 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 basic plan every record is oh this is going to be really minimal this record and then we just think oh okay. no just try this idea and we we put all these ideas on and we say well if we don't like it we'll take it back but then then it's years of. <laughs> of debating what gets taken back out and what doesn't. Yeah, and I always found that that must be really difficult as a band because there's, is there five of you or four of you? Four of us, yeah. Okay, four. But that's <laughs> happening with you internally. Oh, it is, yeah. Or, or do you, are you quite strict with deciding, like, no, this isn't going to go that way? I think generally I am, like, I am quite strict deciding. I know if a song shouldn't really have anything on there. If it should be just sort of stripped back, yeah, uh, I think I just I just do what feels right. I, I think if it's um, I try and listen out for when it's becoming messy and and if I'm adding too many arrangements right. and things like that and dial it back and that takes just take 
you know, time away and then listening back. Yeah, I think overall I am quite decisive on that. How do you um, manage, like, your kind of social media and stuff around you as an artist? Um, Are you, like, quite into that? There's pros and cons, I think. I find it... So I've, again, I had a lot of, like, self-reflection over the years on that because... So I started out um, recording sort of guitar videos online and it was it was working like people were gaining interest and things and uh, but I noticed I was starting to interfere with my writing because I was thinking even if I wasn't conscious I was thinking about what someone might think of it right okay. so then I've decided I sort of two years ago it was kind of like I'm not gonna put out ideas before they're finished yeah so yeah again it's it's just about like I think there's a lot of self-monitoring right okay because it's so easy to get carried away with that like it's this is that dopamine hit of like, yeah. oh, I've finished this riff, I'm going to put it up and then like get some reinforcement. But like doing that halfway through the song can actually really interrupt the yeah. writing process for me. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously massive pros from social media as well. Like, It, it kills the romance of it, though. What's that? <laughs> showing, showing every aspect of it. Yeah. I see it as like an interesting idea, a project to do, but... Mm-hmm now that it's become this sort of established norm and the thing you have to do. Yeah. I think it's quite oppressive. Yeah. I, I, I prefer it to remain a secret until till you're ready to release it. That's a piece of art. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a bit of balance, to be honest, like, because I really see the benefits in it. And I, I, I know people that absolutely, like, thrive off of it and they, it doesn't seem to impact on their creativity at all. And those people, mm. I think, are very lucky. Um, but for yeah. me, I think it does. Um, and I, re- I'm always like trying to reach that balance. Well, I, I followed and unfollowed an artist the other Not day. Not me. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to find out this. <laughs> oh, no. no, it was pretty, it was pretty quick, but like the first thing I saw on a reel was a really nice song that she'd written and was playing. Yeah. And then in, uh, over the following like week, it was just only pictures of just, her lifestyle mm-hmm. and then a, a a post came up saying oh just in case you didn't know i also make music okay yeah and then i sort of i looked at her bio and everything and and the first thing was uh influencer oh okay yeah right, you know okay. and I saw, it made me feel so just so dirty <laughs> <laughs> influencer uh, slash musician yeah <laughs> yeah and it was a really good song and yeah. i think it's such a shame like that's the that's the superficial level mm. of it but then yeah the, the the side of it with bit more worth is exposing process and seeing how stuff's made yeah that's interesting yeah. but it's also when you see um when you see posts from like your favorite artists I always sit there and think, like, who wants to sit there and see us doing these things? Yeah. Like, does someone want to see a picture of me sitting in my studio? Or that's the does thing. someone want to... I don't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's why we, we we don't post a lot of content because we have this self-conscious thing of no one wants to see us doing that or... It's, I think so, they probably would. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> yeah. they, well, they probably would, and we should get over that. Uh, that's a lesson that we should learn as a group from a solo artist that's doing it properly. I mean, it's strange. It is. It's kind of like it's great that artists now, you know, there are so many more, and that you can just yeah. get your art heard immediately. But then it's also it comes with that price of like having to find this kind of okay. I need to like promote myself on here. 
Um, another thing I, f- I struggle with is like, um, you know, even how it's just hard generally to like figure out what your identity is, yeah. but then online, <laughs> yeah. like what's the aesthetic here and, uh, you know, is it just random or is there like a certain mood or yeah. that I, I've always found hard. I just sort of try and check in every time that it's me. <laughs> um, These songs are personal as well, you know, or, or mm. you know, that certainly appear so. Yeah. And even, even like the presentation of the album, like pretty much all your stuff, right, is like your front cover, you're pictured, it's you there. Yeah, yeah. Is that important to you? Um, yeah, at the moment. Because <laughs> um, like us, it's the opposite. We, we, we just can't, we couldn't handle it being on it personally. Being on it, yeah. Okay. I just hate having my fucking picture taken. Yeah, <laughs> that's the basic reason. But I, I do like to think that, yes, it's maybe basically because, you know, don't want our mugs on the front of the, the <laughs> album, but I hope that as a group, the, our product is something di- something different and other. And if, if there was anything too personal from any one of us in there, then it's become sort of slightly less codes and more, you know, that individual. Yeah. Whereas with you, it's it's you, like exactly you. Yeah, and it's my my own name as yeah. well. So it's all very like direct to me so yeah I think I said it was important it's not necessarily important like my first EP doesn't have me on it and the album cover to me it makes me feel something um so I don't I don't really know if that's true right. but it needs to be me it just it feels it felt like it did for this one because the reason it did for this one was because um well, I, I could get, go on a tangent. Go for it. <laughs> it's just a really quick thing. But I was noticing that because the songs are all so different, the only like the, the thing that worked really well was like a dance-based photo because it could portray like the sad and the happy in like one photo. Right, yeah. And it seemed to really uniquely be able to do that, whereas like a lot of other images were making it, they weren't matching all the songs. So then I was I was like, okay, these, this, and because I like, doing that as well I was like this this needs to be me so that was how I came to the decision for this album but I do understand what you're because it's a picture of me dancing on the front and it yeah it looks good it looks good as well that's good (laughs) thank you how about like on stage presentation wise would you have movements on stage dancers or whatever just yeah I would like to um I don't know if because as I'm always playing such small stages (laughs) and I have my instruments take up like the entire stage <laughs> so I actually did think about it and I was like how would I do it to be fair you do take up the entire stage yeah I remember when you when you, when you played with us oh dear we had to move yeah. everything I wasn't expecting us to move everything I'm sorry <laughs> it was alright it was worth it sorry I think I've done that to so many so many bands like when I'm supporting in fairness we were late to that our own show <laughs> and it was and it was worth it it was worth it so oh, that's it was, good <laughs> we're talking about smaller stages like logistically yeah what is it like touring with a harp it can't be a it can't be comfortable for a lot of venues uh, it's well I have a pickup on mine so a lot of sound engineers are really happy when they tell them there's a pickup <laughs> yeah I haven't toured with I've got a new harp over lockdown um my first like bigger one before that I was using a smaller one and so it wasn't really much of an issue and it was really cheap so touring with it I wasn't like worried about it but I don't know if I'm if I'm doing like a sort of like a DIY tour with a band or so I might just like bring the old harp just (laughs) I don't want it I don't want anything to happen to it (laughs) 
Yeah, like, I mean, even tuning it, like, is it a super complicated instrument to tune? It's not complicated. It's, it's very similar to a guitar, but it takes ages. And just just more <laughs> loads strings. more strings. Yeah, loads of strings. And um, just, like, you have to... The tuning handle is, like, really, t- like, you have to make really slight movements. And it it's very sensitive. So if you make a slight movement, it will, like tune it up by semitones you have to like be really precise with it yeah well that's one you know like with a piano obviously you you pay a guy to yeah. come around and <laughs> tune the piano once every 10 years or something yeah. <laughs> you know? it just doesn't seem like a it just doesn't seem like an instrument where if you were to be stuck after a gig you could just call an uber <laughs> just shove it in the back of a <laughs> yeah you how old were you when you wrote your first song, like in any in any capacity? Fifteen, I think. Well, I wrote like a song called "Girl Power" and "Baby Why" when I was ten. Yeah, Whoa, <laughs> that's ten. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Had no, it was just uh, lyrics and and singing. I, I think the listeners want to hear the chorus. From Girl Power. <laughs> so, <laughs> no pressure. I think they can probably imagine. It's very Britney Spears influenced. <laughs> Maybe we'll hear like a reworked version on your next album of, of Girl Power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first in interview version of our feature, by the way. Okay. Of teenage band yeah. names. Oh. Oh. Not uh, unintentionally. Okay. But we're we're that's where we are. Okay. Yeah, we've kind of been asking people for any like the names of any bands they were in as teenagers. Oh yeah. Because usually yeah. it's an awful name right yeah and we've had some classics come in i mean did you when you were young when you were a teen did you have any kind of bands or like any projects you were working on that had a cool name uh no i just was doing my own thing still um, always natalie evans yeah i mean i i was kind of like an avril lavigne cover act for like nice five years okay <laughs> but that wasn't that was just because i loved it five years <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, girl, girl power and baby Y goes right into the record books. Yeah, teenage fans. I'm glad you remember the names. <laughs> yeah, you don't forget that. You've always you've always operated under your name though, right from the start. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't in a band. Do you ever consider having like an artist's name? I did, uh, but they never worked out. I just couldn't find something that kind of worked for me. They're like a tattoo. <laughs> like, I just could never decide. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Uh, although I do have one, but... <laughs> but anyway, I couldn't... Um, it feels like that thing. It's like, what what name, like, defines me? I just could never find something that just, like, um, sat with me. So yeah. I just went with my own name. Yeah, I remember reading... Um, Sorry, about another artist, but you know, Father John Misty. Yeah, he had like a solo project for years and years, and he always went by his own name. I think it was his artist was I think his name was Josh Tillman, and it was just Jay Tillman was his name. Okay, and he used to write this really like super serious like acoustic folk that was like really dark and quite sort of deep. Right, <laughs> I guess I'm a music writer, right? You can tell by my vocabulary. <laughs> um, but uh, he, what I remember reading in an interview with him is just that how he felt he needed to use a pseudonym. Because he felt that if he could use a pseudonym, it would kind of release him from having to be the kind of serious Josh Tillman. It was like he could now be anyone he wanted. He could be Father John Misty or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, do you feel like any kind of association yourself with that? Like, do you feel like when you're writing or or recording or releasing music, you're representing like you as your identity or are you still kind of portraying some kind of artist identity? I think I've uh, now it's it's me, Uh, but it's, it's taken a while to figure that out. But yeah, I think... 
because I kind of showcase different parts of my personality. It sounds like with him, he was writing quite sad and only sad music. And I can definitely see how <laughs> at that point, it's like you you don't want to be, you're not, you, don't, you don't necessarily, a lot of people that write sad music aren't sad all the time. So like yeah, yeah. he probably was just like not resonating with it. Yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, I think at this point, it's kind of just like it's set in stone, my name. So more likely to change my own actual name right. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the project name. <laughs> but it's back to the it's back to the thing with with social media presence, though, isn't it? Mm. Like you have a successful brand because the brand is basically just you being you. Yeah. So you can quite easily just add something and and just being yourself and people get it yeah and that that only works if that's what you're doing as a musician if you were if you're doing like crazy outlandish theatrical yeah. stuff it doesn't then sit to, to just play a nice piece at, at home yeah i totally see that yeah it depends on on the style i think yeah yeah on various instruments mm-hmm. which is another thing i wanted to ask you yeah you play guitar piano harp Seems like anything you put your hand to, you play technically really well, right? Thanks. Not that that's a, well. The guys would tell you that for me, that that is a compliment, but it's not the <laughs> thing I look for in music. Okay. Like most, I'm sorry. A lot of people you're good, but you're a letdown. <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't. We're not going to go down. This. this is all going to be cut. <laughs> you did really well. No, this is fine. You do well, um, Steve. No, but a lot of artists play their instrument nicely, but then can't write a, a decent song is all, mm-hmm. all I mean. So yeah. not that you rely on that proficiency with the instrument, mm-hmm. but how long do you spend like trying to hone those skills? Like, Do you actually have like a set practice time per day for each instrument? Um, no, I've never... I've never practiced like. Oh, um, God. Sorry. Gonna, I le- okay, wait, me, stop. I've never, wait, never practiced. <laughs> <laughs> so I look towards you, Nicola. I never work out. It's just how I am. Okay, so what I mean is I, I learned through writing. So right. I couldn't play the harp, for example, when I started writing songs on it. So I would sort of learn it through the songs I'd written, and that would kind of like teach me the intricate way of playing. Piano is the one that I've like really done in a more sort of traditionally musical way. So I've, as in like a, I've learned it in a more kind of classical way of learning it, which is still self-taught, but like I learned like right. through buying books and like sight reading them. Uh, so I have in a sense done like been covering songs. What's your relationship then with the different instruments? Like, do you find yourself limited to, to repeating the same things you've done? Because you're sort of like only learning and practicing that one style because that's what you're writing at the time. Yeah, I did. And that's why I was starting to, well, I guess my, my kind of harp and guitar ideas were like always quite fresh um, because I didn't really have much knowledge, especially if you put it in open tuning and like you don't know where you're at. So it's likely to be something quite unique. Having a like a extensive pre, pre-existing knowledge of, piano mm-hmm. and then coming fresh and seeing a harp just for as a songwriting apparatus yeah do you feel freer on the harp not knowing the ins and outs or do you feel freer on the piano um, knowing exactly you can make what you think of that's really interesting i think i'm actually feeling freer on like the harp and not understanding yeah but it's weird because so i only started piano like probably eight or nine years ago um, so I like have been actually 
learning about music via the piano while also writing kind of randomly on the harp and the guitar. So it's been, I've kind of gone through that process of like, first off, I didn't know anything. And now I know and like noticing how that's affecting my writing. And I think actually, like the more you know, it does make you more structured. Um, so I just need to kind of keep using open tunings actually is what I realised because I need to not know where I'm at. And like sometimes I like turn the harp like the other way around and stuff to come up with a melody to like forget everything I know. Right. Um, it's interesting when you talk to like, I was speaking to like a jazz musician the other day and she was like very music, like trained in music, like for a long time. And she was saying she found it hard to let go just kind of because you have all these like understandings of what you should be playing, like what chord you should be going to next. And um, what now I'm sort of working at having that knowledge, but also like forgetting it when I need to, which is I think what really like a lot of um, really amazing musicians are able to do. Um, I didn't want to like not have the knowledge. That was like a gap I really wanted to fill. Um, but now I'm sort of juggling with that and trying to like find a moment to forget it. How about you guys? Are you like, are you um, kind of trained musicians or are you self-taught? Uh, I would say I've described myself as the opposite of a trained musician. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I even, I think I had like a couple of drum lessons when I was a kid. Okay. And I just couldn't get to grips with it like I'd been playing drums before I had lessons but the way I learned was just through just just playing along to other people's songs okay yeah. at, the, at the time was like a lot of like Blink 182 and stuff like that <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> as growing amazing up as, a, as a teenager yeah. yeah and just kind of like learning to drum just th- which you know has probably led led to things like not having great traditional technique and all this kind of stuff mm. and like but does that affect you uh I would say probably sometimes I do feel like it's a drawback but I also think that I don't I don't describe myself as a drummer really. Like I don't I play the drums, but I, I see myself as someone who plays the drums rather than is a drummer. Like okay. I don't I don't sit at home like practicing rudiments and technique and all that kind of stuff because I feel like I can know enough to kind of do what I, more or less what I want to do. And the kind of stuff that I can't do, generally I wouldn't want to do anyway. Like I don't want yeah. to do like super fast, amazing like fills and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but he is a very good drummer, even though he says he's not a drummer. Yeah, I know. I've seen you play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. You're also very technical with how you write. If you write something on Guitar Jack, you're very technical with how you structure stuff. I do enjoy that side of songwriting, actually. Which, actually, is a good question. Yeah, you love arranging songs. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that, Natalie? Like, what is the what is the most interesting part of writing a song for you? Is it, like, the structure or arrangement of songs? Or is it just, like, getting that melody, like, nailing that melody down for the chorus or anything like that? Um, or is it all of them when they all hit the same balance? I think it's just, like, if it makes me feel what it makes me feel. Um, I think the lyrics have become a very important part and, like, what the song is saying. And, yeah, it's evoking a lot of emotion in me. Yeah. And the rest I just kind of go with. I think there's a there's a real dangerous middle ground mm-hmm. in like what we've been talking about where yeah. where you gain a, a level of technical proficiency and lose the feeling. Yeah. But then once you come out the other side and you're really good and you and you can sort of use that knowledge with feeling. Yeah. But there's this nebulous area in the middle where all you're doing is this fancy new technique that you've learned just because you're excited about doing it. Yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> that is why I've been using the drumstick on the guitar for 15 years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Kieran, you're, you're scared of, of entering the, the nebulous yeah. middle area. Kieran has stayed stubbornly Amazing. bad at guitar for a long time. 
I actually but, do. Uh, I think that's actually a really great, great way to be, like to not actually enter into it at all. It's, it's so interesting. Like if you get one person, I wonder how their music would change if they like went down these different routes. Such some like crazy creative stuff comes out of people that have no formal training. Imagine if I could play an instrument. <laughs> yeah, it'd be amazing. Or a disaster. Yeah, but that's why you've then. That's why you've then played the role in the band that that you have you know like you basically come up with the sound and the identity of the of the song thank you very much whereas as jack jack will come to a song as as a a, a person who plays drums <laughs> you'll be thinking of every every beat of every bar and saying well that that shouldn't that doesn't fit quite right in my opinion blah 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 i, I think we've got quite a good meld yeah like, it sounds like it us. what you've not done is said what you bring to the band yeah well probably the humor <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> How about like which instrument to use on which song? Do they just feel like certain instruments to you or do you experiment with that? Uh, some, sometimes I've switched instruments, um, but a lot of the time I will be, I'll just be like, oh, I feel like playing harp today. And then I'll just write the song on the harp or something like that. And like, does one inform the other? I'm yeah, you know, I'm trying to understand the mind of a multi-instrumentalist. Um, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just like... This, the style of playing, like a typical harp sound, when you think of like, you know, this music is for the harp. Uh, there's, there's a very sort of set range of ideas. And if you applied them to other instrumentation, could be interesting, might work, might not. Yeah, that's true. You do, I think, certain arrangement. If I directly play one of my harp songs, so I tried it for my song Under the Moon, I tried to translate it to piano and um, it just didn't work so I did change the arrangement as well, so they don't directly translate across instruments. Oh yeah, I tried to learn a Joanna Newsom song on guitar once, and I had to change like a fair amount of it. <laughs> so I think you do have to change. Um, you have to change the arrangement slightly, just probably to do with like the resonance and just how that instrument is sounding like less less busy bass notes yeah yeah things like that we've been talking about the harp a lot but when did you start learning the what made you want to learn the harp because we love it as an we love it as an instrument like we're obsessed with, we're, yeah, we love doing a new sermon we're obsessed with the harp but that's good it just seems like such an incredible incredibly hard instrument to play we should get one each <laughs> add it into your album <laughs> should we do that for the next record <laughs> well you know like I, I just think it's specifically the the hardest things just from looking at it <laughs> the hardest things about it to play are my weakest points on guitar just basically like <laughs> right hand picking the delicacy there mm-hmm. as i play that's my weakest point yeah that's very intricate i think it's from left i'm left-handed and i play right-handed oh okay so just my he's just trying to, he's just trying to he's just trying to say he's too heavy-handed that's my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not the instrument for me yeah okay that makes sense a good thing about harp is it does just it's in key so it just sounds beautiful like right whoever like whoever's playing it it sounds really yeah. nice um yeah the reason i i learned it it was a kind of a so i was playing uh, a lot of I, I originally just started playing i was only playing guitar so when i was about 18 i was just playing gigs on guitar and then uh, i was doing the finger picking style um and a lot of people were saying to me, you sound like Joanna Newsom, you should check out Joanna Newsom. So then I did, and then I, that was like my introduction to the harp. Was that an, uh, an, an annoyance or a compliment? No, it was not. Well, I didn't... It took a few times to be like, right, I need to check out who this is, because people have said it like a few times now. Oh, so you weren't even, you weren't even aware of her before you... Oh, wow. No, no. <laughs> 
So then I did that. No, but that was when I was just playing guitar. And then I was thinking about getting a harp. And then I played with this girl called Woodpecker Williams. And she plays the harp. And then I was like, I've got to get one. Like, it was just so cool. <laughs> Have you found that the, the the harp specifically has sort of hindered or helped in terms of like garnering attention and just is it a niche that makes that makes you stand out or are some people put off by it perhaps or well yeah when I started playing harp I (laughs) I think I'm quite um tuned into people's responses which I'm trying not to be so much but when I started playing the harp um there was a lot of like go back to guitar people were writing online really um no no more harp and can I be honest when we saw Joanna Newsom in 2008 and she mm. stopped playing the harp and went and played yeah. the piano. Yeah. I t- like, I turned to, to Steve and Joe in the band and went, what's she doing not playing the harp? Get I was so up, upset. Get yeah, back get, on get. the harp. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her as well. Yeah. Was that the was that the same was that the same the same gig? No, we saw her in Somerset House in Somerset London. House, that was in, oh, wow. in, two, okay. in 2008, I think. It, it was. wasn't the same. I didn't know her then. Well, the, the difference is though, Karen, you didn't you didn't shout that out or write it online. Get back, get back on. Well, the no, heart. yeah, yeah. It was an internal thought. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we were pretty rowdy at that gig, <laughs> but for okay. a Joanna Newsome gig, you're rowdy at a Joanna Newsome gig. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, re- relatively speaking, at least. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we were just very very excited to see Joanna oh that's that. nice that's good that's the good kind of rowdy yeah yeah not like I know it wasn't it wasn't no a, it wasn't tops off throwing beer bottles it was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. imagine a Somerset house of all places as well. <laughs> yeah I couldn't imagine you guys doing that <laughs> um but I was kind of feeling at the time, like, because I was quite young as well so I was more in the mindset of like oh if people don't like this maybe I'd I don't know, should I be doing this? But, uh, but it was exciting to me, so I kept going. Yeah, well, that's the only way it can be, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you think things like that happen for you to have that process and realise... I mean, not for everyone, but for me, I had to have that thought process and be like, no, Yeah. I'm doing this like for myself. Was there a specific s- sort of person that was reluctant to, to go with it? Or? Um, I think well, it was, I guess coming from a nice place in a way like people just that liked guitar and wanted to hear my guitar stuff more yeah and they that was what they like the emo the emo side and harp's not emo (laughs) i think it can be definitely turned into an advantage though that Mm -hmm. that you've got a foot in the or or two feet in the in the the sort of camp that Mm -hmm. people making similar music to you might not have just owing to your history and where you've already played yeah i mean i i want to i want to like hold on to that and i actually like kind of I'm not distancing myself from that emo stuff either. I kind of want to do... I want to just be free to do whatever music I feel like at the time. Yeah, I I might even lean more heavily into that direction at some point. Um, So who knows? Um, But it's nice to just be able to... I would like to be able to be exposed to the folk world a little bit more as well. Well, I just... I think you can make that jump much easier than someone could jump the other way. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have a... You couldn't have a doom band suddenly just becoming <laughs> yeah, a... Yeah, that's true. A lovely acoustic <laughs> ensemble activity. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. You could go a bit heavier if you wanted to with layers and yeah. walls of sound, etc. But yeah, that's true. That would sound quite nice, actually, with your voice. Yeah, uh, yeah, that would be. Fun. We'll talk. We'll, we'll have a chat. We'll have a chat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <that's> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks so much to Natalie for joining us. Her new album, Movements, is available everywhere now. And it's brilliant. And it's great. And thanks so much to Jack for letting us know that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely be sure to catch her live yes. when you get the chance. And you can also follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Natalie H. Evans. Interesting you went for H there. You're a H man. That's interesting. Yeah. I used H. to be a H man. I used to be a strong H man. Hmm. Mm. It's very important to some people. Uh, no, I don't I, care. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> We're growing. Hey, you mm. want some correspondence, some quick correspondence on our Mercury Prize uh-huh. special? Beep, beep, text message. Well, it's people are saying it's the Golden Globes before the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. I saw you said that on social media. Yeah, it it was in your Instagram story. It's all over the socials. (laughs) Steve only follows himself on social media. Listen, 25% of the people that posted about that (laughs) episode are saying it's the Golden Globes before the Oscars of music. But um, yeah, Bex has got in contact with us. I've been outed. Ah. as To to, to begin with, as someone who hasn't seen Radiohead. Ah, yes. Oh, people, yeah, yeah. people have picked up on that from Jack's quiz at the start. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. And she says, I'm so sorry you've never seen Radiohead. She knows how she can she can sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um she says, I've only seen them once, but for mm. you to have never seen them seems wrong. Yeah. And you've I, got to be quite excited about it actually. Ha- she says the how many songs stay on the playlist thing yeah. of yours, Joe, is her entire approach to music. Oh, okay. That's how she's listening to music. She's compiling it onto a playlist and what what remains there at the end of the year. I like that. So a whole year of listening. It's like, yeah. One playlist. I reckon a lot of people are are, are doing that, maybe not consciously. Yeah, I didn't want to to tell Joe that he was uh, doing a good thing or people think I was copying (laughs) him, but I do exactly the same thing. I'll listen to an entire album and then I won't listen to all of the songs I dislike ever again. Yeah, I, okay. I think it works, but I think I would have been maybe more tolerant and maybe a bit more generous with some albums if I wasn't like, really rushing. <laughs> In that process, though, over this year, yeah. the artist with the most tracks remaining on uh-huh. the playlist is Yard Act. Oh, so, re- oh I was going to say we'd get on really well, but clearly not. Uh, well, <laughs> she obviously has good taste. She's aligned with me. Well, I didn't even give them that higher points just because the, the the selection is so good. It is. Um, I do remember you saying that you wouldn't remove any track off of that album. Yeah, exactly. So she's picking she's picking Yard Act, mm-hmm. but doesn't believe they'll win. No, they won't. But, but that, that's her, her favourite. Um, she doesn't get Wet Leg. Good for her. Otherwise, I'd advise her to go to the doctor. That's yeah. good. <laughs> good humour. <laughs> yeah. The magic trick when she goes swimming. That's good stuff, honestly. <laughs> that is that bullet point dealt with, Joe. A lovely bit of business. And this this goes down as an editing note for you from me to you, Joe. Because okay. the quote is Bex is absolutely mystified that we didn't mention that Gweno was in the pipettes. Bex, we did. But Oh, did we? Yeah, oh, I, I I mentioned that, but I mean, no, fair enough, Joe. It was a two and a half hour chat that had yeah. to be cut down. Uh, just yeah, just a little peek behind the curtain. Once it got to sort of that point, 
once I felt like we'd made all the relevant points about the record, I just sort of cut the next five minutes of conversation from it. <laughs> so there's probably some good stuff in there that uh, I could have left. But um, as for the extras episode, right? Everyone's crying. Yeah, out they, yeah, too hot for podcast. Yeah, the DVD yeah. that'll come out at Christmas. <laughs> um, she finishes though with her overall experience of that episode was very similar to the you know that meme of the of the guy sitting next to the poster of the girls eating ice cream oh yeah i love that and what podcast that. feels like yeah and she says that that's what all good podcasts do is give oh you that feeling. that's very nice yeah oh, so I'm, kind. i was i was really pleased with that thank um, and you she says uh, i know that obviously most episodes are going to have guests but that was a, it was a real piece of encouragement for us to do more with just us and it's okay oh it's okay i thought there'd yeah. be a huge backlash so i'm I'm rigorously surprised. We're the women eating ice cream on the poster now. We've we've made <laughs> oh, it. We've graduated. I do love ice cream. <laughs> Just for listeners, Kieran, that's the saddest I've ever seen Kieran look. <laughs> yeah. Is it still mint choc chip your favourite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Kieran, horrible news. We'll come back to this later. Uh, I think I've ever done it with the mint. I don't think I like yeah, it. Yeah, well, so I got a mint dime bar the other day, and I don't know what I was thinking. Do you know what? Actually, I don't think we've overdone it with the mint. I think companies have overdone it with the mint, and they're overdoing yeah. it with the orange. Stop ruining it. Yeah. Anyway, Cadbury's have Cadbury's have rinsed up with the mint crisp. Kieran, Kieran and I, time. Kieran and I are launching a food podcast in time for Christmas. Um, <laughs> Mint-based <awesome>. snacks. <laughs> so I'm just dangerously ripping off my old podcast here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Vex, and yeah. that that means that gi- gives me a bit more confidence for us to do more episodes like that. And if you want to hear that episode and you haven't yet, you can still listen to it after the prize has been given out. I think. Yeah, of course you can. You just you'll Why know not? who the actual winner was, but you don't know who the winner is in our hearts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So go back and have a listen to it to before that. this episode finishes, or after this episode has finished. No, or no, no. Stick it on the agenda. Steve's planning the day for this lucky, lucky. <laughs> Listener, you lucky listener. There's so there's so many old episodes for you to go back and re-listen to. And I'll I'll, I will say the deadline for the dissertation on the pod (laughs) will be around May. Let's just keep it simple. Nineteenth May. Right. So get those dissertations in, or if you've just got some teenage band stories, please love those. Yes, please. Email them to us at info at codesintheclouds.net or at Codes Clouds on socials. Up next week, we have Canadian musician Eric Cheneau, fantastic artist on Constellation Records. Now, before we hear Natalie Evans' exclusive performance for the Paper Crane podcast of her great song, Under the Moon, I'm going to leave you with a little bit of... uh, Oh, my God. A little something to contemplate uh, just just while you're listening. Think of the people that have all they're, 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 they've been waiting. They want this exclusive performance because because look, people are go, people are going back to school now, you know, and like, I feel like they need a bit of inspiration just because like it's nervous, like going to year seven or going to mm. year eleven, or maybe you're starting sixth form, maybe you're starting primary school. Listen to this. There's uh, there's an old <laughs> phrase. there's an old saying. I believe it is it's, it's an old Latin saying, but I, I don't know it in Latin. So. It's, it's fortune favours the brave, but it refuses 
to paper the crane. Stay scared, stay indoors, children. <laughs> this, I'm, so, I'm so sorry to all the new listeners that have just come to hear this performance at that point. He does this every week. Still